0: Good morning, church. Hey, we are got to go ahead and get into God's Word this morning. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, that's okay. There's going to be ushers coming forward right now. Just throw your hand up in the air. We'd love to get a copy of God's Word into your hands. If you don't own a Bible, then uh, feel free to keep this one. That's our gift to you this morning. Excited to be over here this morning and jump back into God's Word with you. If you're just visiting with us, if you maybe missed last week, we're jumping into this new series called the Kingdom Series. And what we're doing with this is we're getting into God's Word and we're seeing that the Bible, as you probably know, is made up of lots of different stories, lots of different books in there, lots of different characters, lots of different people that you can read about. But what we're doing with this series is we're looking at the bigger story of the Bible. We're seeing that from Genesis through until Revelation, it's actually one big overarching story. It's the story of God's kingdom. So that's what we're going to do this morning. excited to get into this. I think we can all agree that stories shape us as people. I think we can all remember the, the favorite story that we had that our parents told us or the favorite movie that we used to watch or, or we hear powerful stories about people and, and it moves us, it changes us. So what we want to do this morning is as we get into the story of the Bible, we're going to see that this story is actually about us. It's a story that, that we're in. It's a story that God wants us to hear this morning. And so as we jump in, we're still going to be in Genesis. That's where we are. Genesis 12 is where we're going to land. And uh, as we get there this morning, I'm gonna do a little bit of a recap and a little bit of fill in of of where we've been up until now. Like any good story after the introduction or the tone's been set, there's some character development. So we're gonna see a little more this morning about the character of God and also the character of man, the character of us. And the story, like I said, it has a meaning and a purpose for our lives today. So last week we were in Genesis chapter one to three. Uh, we looked at the creation and we, and we seen, we got introduced to the main theme and the main characters of this story. And the first thing that we seen was that God is king. God spoke and things happened. Okay, you think of a king, he speaks and things happen. God wasn't down on his hands and knees trying to build the earth and, and kind of made a few people and then said, hey, can you come and help me? No, no, God spoke. And there was light, God spoke, and there was land, God spoke, and there was water, God spoke, and the stars were flung into space, God spoke, and we were created, and He breathed life into us. And then we heard and we seen that, uh, that we're created as humans, we're created unique because we were created in the image of God. And so we learned that about us, that we were created to reflect the glory of God, to spread the glory of God. God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and to expand His kingdom that He created across the earth. But then we were introduced to, to the third character, if you want, in this story. We were introduced to a creature, to, to Satan. And, and we've seen that he wasn't a king, he wasn't supreme, he was a creature also, but a creature who rebelled against God and who tempted Adam and Eve with sin. And where we left off last week is that we've seen that sin invaded the kingdom. Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. There was this decision that had been made. I don't know about you guys, but have you, ever, have you ever entered into a project or made a commitment and you thought it was going to be easy, you thought it was going to be a good thing, and then you get into it and you're like, oh man, this is way more than I thought it was going to be. I've just bitten off way more than I can chew. I think we can all relate to that in some kind of way. My wife and I, Amelia, we, we bought a house last summer, and so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm just getting into the stage of, of DIY and a little bit of home renovations and all of these things, and I'm learning a few things along the way, but I would say that the biggest thing that I've learned so far, the biggest lesson for me, is that man's greatest enemy is Pinterest, Okay, (laughs) Pinterest is this app that Amelia has on her phone. You can go to it online as well. But it's basically this app where where people They have all these little projects they do, so if you want to reno your bathroom or if you want to build a swimming pool in your backyard or if you want to put a campfire in your front living room for some weird reason, it sounds weird but somebody else has done it, it looks amazing and they put up some little pictures and videos and steps of this is how you can do it too in one short afternoon with some old Home Depot skids and a ladder and you'll be good to go. And it sounds great, and it looks appealing, and it looks great, but here's the thing, guys, jump into it, and it never turns out the way you think it's going to. That's what I've learned so far. And if you're kind of wondering, does my wife know what she does, okay? Everybody knows about it. It's on her phone. It's on, it, this, isn't, this isn't preventative. It's just a warning for you, okay? <laughs> Things don't turn out the way they look. Well, this is exactly where we've left the story this morning for Adam and Eve, because Adam and Eve made this tragic mistake. They were tempted and deceived into rebellion by being proposed this beautiful, this wonderful, this Pinterest-looking style idea. Satan came along to them and said, you guys don't need God. Life will be better without God. God has all these restrictions and rules uh, for you, but you don't need him. You know what? You know yourself best. You should choose to reject God. Why don't you say what's good and evil? Why don't you live by your rules? Why don't you do whatever you want to do and live without any accountability? Like You know yourself best. You, you go and make a life for yourself. And it sounds great, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Well, no, no. I, I know better than... No, it does. Like, it sounds good. Like, sign me up for that. Be your own boss. But we see here in the story that that choosing of sin had dire consequences for them. What happened? They were, first of all, they were shamed off themselves. They were cast out of God's presence, out of the garden, out of the kingdom. And we see the repercussions of that. In, in chapter 4, we have this story of Cain and Abel and what, what happens to mankind. Their, their worth is no longer in God. Their identity isn't in Him. Their identity is in themselves and what they're doing. So they start to compare with one another. And Cain and Abel are these brothers. And Cain is jealous of Abel. So it ends up that he murders Abel. And we can just see the world continuing, our mankind, us continuing to spiral out of control. Chapter 6 of Genesis says the world became so wicked. Verse 5 and 6, it says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And the Lord regretted he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So what happens in the story? God wipes out the evil of mankind with a flood, and he gives this promise to a man named Noah in chapter 9. Same promise that he'd given to Adam and Eve. God, we can read chapter 9, verse 1, God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Same promise again. God's plan didn't change. God's plan never had changed for his kingdom. God was going to make this happen. How God was going to make this happen was still the same. He was saying, be obedient to me so that you can experience all my blessing that I have for you. So we're getting to chapter 10, chapter 12, sorry, chapter 10. What happens is we have this whole genealogy, if you're going through with me, we have this whole list of names, which is basically telling you this is how all the people off the earth and from Noah began to multiply, began to fill the earth. But there's a problem still. And what's the problem? Is God the problem? No, no. God's remained faithful. He's he's reestablished his promise again. But the people, us, we're still unfaithful to God. They live a life in disobedience against God. Chapter 11 of Genesis, God had commanded the people to spread out over the earth. He promised to bless them and be with them while they did this. But instead, what's happened is they've all stayed together. They've all huddled up at this place called Shinar. And now they're saying, we come to this story where they're building the Tower of Babel. They say, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. They're saying, we've heard God's plan, we've heard His blessing, but we're going to stick with ours because we know what's best. We're going to make a name for ourselves. And so it says the Lord came down and confused their speech and made different languages on the earth. And it says from there, the people were dispersed. And that's where you get the expression about, okay? If you're looking at me, you're going like, what's this guy babbling on about this morning? I'm I'm babbling on about the Tower of Babel, okay? You just got trumped by your own saying. That's what it's about. It's about. But why does that happen? God, in His mercy, forces the people's hand to say, please obey me. Listen to my instruction. Why? Because I want to bless you, because I'm for you. Why do I want you to obey me? Because I want to bless you. Hebrews twelve six says, Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him, for the Lord disciplines the one He loves. You can look at a story like that and say, well, why did God do that? Does he have some sort of weird, cruel sense of humor? No, he's, he's attempting, he's getting the people, he's pleading with me, he's saying, obey me because I want to bless you. So we get to chapter 12 this morning, and here's why I spent uh, that time leading us up to that, going through some of those stories. I want us to see that ever since the fall in the garden, ever since sin entered the world by us choosing to reject God, we are unfaithful to God. This is man's natural heart. This is where we naturally run to. This is my heart. This is your heart. We, we all have a natural, pre, our heart has a predisposition this morning to reject God. We see it played out time and time again. You see it time and time again. You'll see it time and time again in this series with the other stories that we get into. We fall short and we fall into sin. We see God's law and we miss it. Maybe you're here and you're like, yep, story of my life. Story of my life. I go out, I try to do good. I make these commitments. I say, This is, what I'm, this is how I'm going to live and this is what I'm going to do, but I fall short of it. Because just like the people here in Genesis, we all have a tendency for ourselves. We all want to say, Come, let, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's build a tower for ourselves. It's got to be my identity. It's got to be what I want to do. Here's what's important for me. Here's how I think I'm going to fulfill myself. God has given us his word, the Bible, as his authority over us, as his instruction for us, because he tells us time time and time again, he's showing us, I'm for you, God is for you. From the very start of time since I ever created you, God's saying, I've wanted to bless you. I want a peace, a relationship, I want you to be in my kingdom, and so for this to happen, for you to experience all of these things that you were created for, I call you to walk in obedience with me. And here's the thing, Satan's got to come along to us and whisper in our ear, and say, that's not really a blessing. That's not really the good life. Like, you know yourself better than that. You can make those choices. Maybe God is for you, but here's a way that you can kind of fast track that. You should make some decisions of your own here. So there comes a question, a decision we have to ask ourselves, and we're making this choice this morning whether we realize it or not. You have to ask yourself, do I wanna be part of God's story? Do I wanna be part of God's kingdom and what he's doing? Or do I wanna make my own story? Do I want to say, this is the tower I'm going to build? This is the way I'm going to live? This is the decisions in my life that I'm going to make? Do I want to be obedient to God or do I want to try and build my own tower and my own strength? Because here's the thing what you want your name to be, what you want to be known for, what you want your identity to be, and that's what you'll place all of your efforts into. The Bible says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. So, what's the purpose of your life this morning? Maybe your purpose and your whole desire is, you know what, I just want to be a great parent. I want to be the mom and dad that just gives everything to my kids. They can grow up and say they never went without wanting, and and, and that'll bless my kids, and my kids will will feel good about me too, and that's everything that I want my life to be about. That's how I'll be blessed. Maybe for some of us, it's that I want to be successful. I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to do good. Like, maybe that is the story of your life. I made it from the ground up with no help at all, and I, I built myself this little kingdom, and you know what? I'm still going to do some good stuff with my money along the way. For some of us, we want to be the, the good-looking, the well-rounded person, the life of the party, the fun person everybody else wants to be around. Maybe realistically for some of us here, our, our identity, what we want to be known as is the wise, the wise Christian person that can give other people good advice. And the list goes on because, honestly, we'd all rather serve ourselves on our own desires and make a na- name for ourselves rather than see what God has for us. So we have to make a decision, are we going to follow God and believe his word, that he is for us, that he wants to bless us, that, this, that the best life for us is found in him and his kingdom, or are we going to do things our way? Our first point this morning is this, as we get into the story in Genesis 12, is that God calls us to himself. God wants us to have joy, fulfillment, satisfaction, harmony, peace, rest. Think about it, that's, how he could, that's the picture of the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were in this perfect relationship with God, they knew him, and God walked with them, and their identity was in him. And he still extends that invitation and blessing and promise to us this morning, even when we've been unfaithful. We get to this guy, Abram, this morning, and we don't get a whole lot of specifics of who he is. We don't get a huge, big introduction to him. Chapter 11, there was a list of Abram's family that came before him, and you see in chapter 11, name after name of how long they lived and, and what they did, but no mention of God in their life generations of people all building their towers, their identities, no mention of God in their life. People who came and died, came and lived and died, no mention of God in their life. It's a pagan, it's a broken generation, it's a lost, it's a messed up family, void of God, lost in sin, pursuing their own desires and identity. And we get to Abraham, no introduction, there's nothing special or different about him compared to anyone else. He's doing all the same things, this is who he is, this is his identity, but God calls Abram to do something. You know what, when God speaks to people, when God moves, when God makes things happen, he's doing it for one reason, he's doing it to bring about his kingdom. If God's going God's to speak to you this morning, he has a kingdom purpose in mind for you. Maybe for you, it's going to be to call you to his kingdom. Maybe for you, it's going to grow and equip you more. Why? To build his kingdom. God is interested in his kingdom and building his kingdom and for us to be a part of it. He calls Abram out of his unfaithfulness here. Chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now here's the thing. Did did God owe it to speak to Abraham? Did God owe the people anything? Does God owe us anything? Do we deserve to hear from God, to understand God, to understand all the ways of God? No. We're unfaithful to him. The people have been unfaithful to him, but God in his love and his mercy, he he speaks down to Abraham, and he invites him to be part of his kingdom to leave and be done with the pervasiveness of sin and what it's doing in his life and his family's life and to listen to God. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like Abram. Your life is completely void of God. You don't really have anything to do with God. Maybe, you know, you didn't grow up in the Christian home and your parents didn't bring you to church or you didn't go to harvest kids and learn all the memory verses and all of these things. You don't really know or maybe get this whole church thing. Maybe you're just kind of checking this out maybe your family or your marriage or the generations before you, you can look back and you can say, well, that's what my sisters were. That's what my brothers were. That's what my dad was. That's what my grandparents were. That's who I'm gonna be too. I believe God wants to speak to you this morning. God has a promise for you this morning because Abram was a man just like us. God called him out of this with a promise for something so much greater. God makes Abram a promise here and we're gonna get into this promise and he says, I'm gonna change you. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna completely change the direction of your life. If you'd only listen and obey me, I want you to be part of my kingdom. Look at verse one again. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. What does he call Abram to leave? He calls him to leave his country, his kindred, and his father's house. So, so what do we learn? So, what, what is God calling you to do this morning? God's calling you to buy a plane ticket to abandon your family and sell your dad's house. All right? You were loved. See you later. No, I'm just kidding, okay? There's more to it than that. What, why, why does God call Abram out of these things? What does that mean for us? What were these things for Abram? He calls him out of his country. For Abram, that, that's all he had known. That's his safe place. It's his security. He would have known the land and his future plan and all the things that he was going to do to be successful and where he would live and all the things that he would do. God called him out of that. He calls him to leave behind his kindred, and kindred means it's talking about his his family, his friends, his relations, the people that he's connected to, the people that, again, were safe for him, the people that probably fueled his self-esteem, that he found some of his self-worth in, the people that gave him a feeling of worth and importance, even maybe people that he had a responsibility for. And he calls him out of his father's house. Abram's dad, you can see in chapter 11, was called Terah, and Abram was... The firstborn, he would have had his inheritance. That would mean Abram would have had great job security, great finances, a great business plan, a wealth to take over from, an identity, a name to be proud of. Everything that the world would tell us today, Abram was set. He was set to build a tower for himself. He was set to have this great successful life. He was on track. But God calls him out of that and says, Abram, I've got something so much better for you than that. God's plan for our life is so much greater than some money, than a nice house, than a fancy car, than a nice family even, than job security, than lots of great friends. God's plan for Abram was to invite him into his kingdom, to make him part of God's family. He says, Abram, the only way you're going to grasp that, that God was going to get through to him, was for God to say, you need to lay this down. You need to list, lay your list of ideas and your accomplishments and apparent way of fulfillment. You've got to be willing to give them all up and put your faith in me. Maybe God has you here this morning to say, I have something so much more for you. I have a kingdom that I want you to be a part of. I have a family that I want to invite you into. I have a purpose and a meaning for your life. But you know what? First of all, I, I need you to stop running to all the other things that can fill your life. I need you to put your faith and trust in me. I need you to abandon the idea that your identity and your fulfillment and all of these things, I need you to abandon the idea that your job is your identity, that your kids are your identity, that how messed up or empty your, your family is from God is your identity, that the amount of stuff or the wealth that you can accumulate is where you're going to find your worth. God wants you to abandon that. He said, I'm calling you to abandon that, and I'm calling you to put your faith and your trust in me and to follow me. Really, that's the message of the gospel. That's the call of the gospel. When when Jesus, God as a man, came to this earth later in this grand story in this big story, he comes to earth and he begins talking about the kingdom of God. And he said that the kingdom of God was at hand. He's saying it's here, it's now, it can be grasped. And when Jesus came and was explaining how we could come into the kingdom, in Matthew 18, he says, I tell you the truth, you must become humble like a little child. He picks his little boy out of the crowd and he says, this is how you're going to enter the kingdom. You're going to come humbly. Matthew four seventeen, when Jesus began his ministry, he began preaching. And he said, he began by saying, repent and be baptized. Repent means to turn away, to make a decision, to turn away from all the stuff that the world tells us that says, this is who I'm going to be, this is what I'm going to find my fulfillment in. These are all the things that I'm going to choose above God. Jesus says, turn away from that. You must come to God not trying to offer anything, not boasting your list of of achievements or good works. Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 that it's by grace that you're saved through faith, that your faith in Jesus, it's not by works so that you can't boast about it. We can't come to God offering our good works or bank account or say, I was a good person and I loved people really well and I took care of my family. You come before God and you say, God, I want a relationship with you. God, I want to be your child, God. And the humbleness in that is admitting that, God, I've been unfaithful to you. I've chosen my own way. I'm the person that stepped outside of your kingdom. I'm the person that's been trying to find my worth in all these other things. God, I confess to you that that is sinful. Jesus told it when he, he preached, repent and be baptized, he said to turn away from these other ideas, from our sin, from our rejection of God, and begin to follow him. Here's the thing, why would we do that? It sounds like there is a cost to that. It sounds like there's some stuff that we have to lay down. Why, why would we make that decision? The second point this morning is this, is that God is faithful. Verse 2, we begin to get an idea of how God is going to continue on with building his kingdom. We see that he's picked Abram, even though, uh, even though Abram had done absolutely nothing to deserve it or find favor with God, God chose to speak to him. And verse 2, he says this, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The blessing that God has planned for Abram is everything that he's been searching for in his own strength. Everything that the generations and the people around him have been so desperately striving for and chasing after, God said, you're going to find that in me. God started off by creating Adam and Eve and giving them a land, giving them the ability to reproduce, to create, to make a nation of people, to grow this kingdom of God, to experience all the blessings of a relationship with God. God calls Abram back to obedience, and, and he says, that promise hasn't changed God called Abram away from his nation and says, I will make you a great nation. I told you I would. My kingdom is going to be great. My kingdom will prevail. I'm calling a people to myself that I will call my children. God called Abram out of his kindred, his family, his identity, and he says, I will make your name great. Just like Babylon had been trying to do by building this tower of Babylon in their own strength, God now takes Abram, a nothing guy in the world, and he says, I will make your name great. I'll give you an identity. You're going to be a child of God. God took Abram out of the material things of the world that scream, this is what blessing's all about. This is what you need. And he says, I will bless you. God says, my plan hasn't changed. I will bless you. And God takes Abram who is wrestling with his identity and with his purpose in life. And he says, I'm going to give you a purpose that you will bless others. I'm going to use you to bless other people as I bless you. Here's the thing, these things come true for Abram physically. God blesses Abram with a family and a land and the nation of Israel, the people God has chosen. And so part of this story as we get into this, it's going to be focusing on that nation of Israel. But the fact that God's word is true and it does happen makes the second part of this blessing so amazing. In these first three verses, God says this, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Blessed. Here's the thing, when I was growing up, I used to love it when my dad would tell me stories. Not because we didn't go and get a book and I didn't say, hey, let's read this one, and my dad sat me up and, and read through a book with me. No, no, no. My, my dad would sit me up in his lap, no books or anything, and he'd just start telling me a story, okay? And the, the reason I loved that so much was because I was in the story. I was part of the story, okay? Like the big bad wolf was coming after me. I was Humpty Dumpty and I'd fallen off the wall and the, the king's men were putting me back together and it was cool because I was part of the story. It was, it was cool. It meant something to me. Here's the incredible thing about this, this story that we're looking at in the Bible today. Here's the amazing part. Here's the life transforming part. This is where God comes alive to us because this blessing is specific for us. He says, in you, all the families of the earth, that's us here this morning, shall be blessed. God's talking about his blessing for us, for you here this morning in Muskoka. Because God was making this way for this blessing to come through Abram to us. God was paving the way for his blessing to be poured out on us. Because what happens is that Abraham obeys the Lord, and then you begin to see how this promise unfolds. How, how is God going to bless all the families of the earth through him? Well, God takes him to a new land, he would give Abraham a wife, Sarah, and Abraham would have Isaac, and Isaac would have Jacob, and Jacob would have these 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel, and one of those sons was Judah. And from the Lion of Judah would come King David. from the Lion of David, then we know it's prophesied that Jesus would come, that God's salvation plan to all the families of the world, to us, that they would come through Abram. That Jesus would come. The seed of Adam, the Lion of Judah would come. The King of kings would come. God is the King of the kingdom. He would come down to earth for us as a man to restore the kingdom of God to allow us here this morning to be in the kingdom of God. Why? Because we've seen from the very start that sin causes division between us and God. When we sin, God, we were cast out of the Garden of Eden, our relationship with God was broken. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Ultimately, the consequence of our sin, each and every time, ultimately is death. Why? Because it's separation from the author of life himself, from God. And the Bible tells us that we've all fallen short that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God's ultimate plan was to come and defeat sin by himself, taking all the weight of that sin upon himself, allowing the sin of the world, all the sin that had been committed, all the sin that we are committing, all even the sins that we're going to commit because God is outside of time. That will make your head hurt. But God can take all of that sin, and he put it on Jesus Christ for us, the one man who came, who lived a perfect life, who didn't deserve that punishment, who didn't deserve to be separated from God, who actually stepped out of heaven to come. The Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. That when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, that we're clothed with robes of righteousness, that God can look on us as his children, as he always designed it to be, that we can experience that blessing, that we can one day go to be in heaven, that we can be part of God's kingdom, and it's all through Jesus Christ. The promise to Abraham here is God's promise to us. That's the incredible thing. When you start to read Genesis, God wasn't surprised by this. God wasn't playing catch-up with us. Okay, shoot, they've done that. What do I do now? God had his plan in place right from the beginning of the world. God had a plan in place for you this morning to come here and hear this message that he wants you to be a part of his kingdom. God had a plan to invite you into a relationship with him. And for you, that relationship starts when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And just in the same way that God called Abram here to lay everything down, God calls us this morning to lay everything down. Because it was through his son, Jesus Christ, that God made this possible for us, this way for us. This promise to Abram is a promise for us. Third point this morning is this, his promise is true. True. The promise was that he promised, he promised us a kingdom. And just as God said to Abram that through him he would make a great nation, we can be part of this great nation. A nation that spans the globe that has people from every tribe and tongue and color and age and race who confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We're all part of that kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. He told Abram he would make his name great. He renamed Abr- Abram, who was childless, to Abraham, which meant fa- the father of many nations. He takes us and he says, we can have a great name. We can be called a child of the living God, sons and daughters of the living God. Whatever name someone else may call you or whatever identity someone else can speak over you, God has given you a name when you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He told Abram he would bless him We see here that we can be blessed by knowing Jesus Christ. We can be blessed by being part of this kingdom. We can be blessed by knowing God. Knowing that we have a home in heaven, a living hope, a a treasure in heaven that can't be shaken or taken away by anything in this world. That's our blessing. That God it shows us that God's blessing, like I said, is more than a house or a fancy car. God's blessing is more than being rich or poor more than getting a promotion at work, more than getting healthy or sick, more than being able to have lots of kids or not have kids, more than, being, uh, than having a life full of happiness or tragedy or difficulty. If that's all God's blessing was, then Jesus, his disciples, the apostles, Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, think about their life. Paul was stoned, beaten, bitten by snakes, suffered for the sake of the gospel. Jesus was rejected by the world and died a death on a cross Do we look at them and say, well, they must have missed the blessing of God? No, I would say they experienced God's blessing in all of its fullness because they recklessly abandoned all the comforts of the world and were ready to because they knew that they'd rather pursue Jesus Christ and all the blessings that God has for him in his kingdom. They'd grabbed hold of the blessing. They'd grabbed hold of the promises of God. They knew that God was their father. They came to the place where they said, Everything else in my life is second to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's a blessing that trumps and spans across all of those other things. No matter how life is, whether it's sweet or bitter or marred by sin, we can say, I'm a child of God. We know that I can say, God is for me. God's heart is to bless me, to give me a name when I feel invisible. He's given me a home in heaven whenever I feel homeless. He's my help when I feel helpless. He's my comforter. He's my friend. He's my family whenever I feel alone. He told Abraham his purpose that he was going to be a blessing to others. And he gives us a purpose, the same purpose. God's blessing to us means that we are called to bless others, to bless other people. It's from this blessing, the blessing of being in the kingdom. The blessing of being able to know that you are a child of God, that you can call God your Father because of the work that Jesus Christ has done inside of you, That's, that's the blessing. You can say, you know what, I count everything else around me, the material things even, as a provision from God. And so I'm going to use all of these things to point other people to the ultimate blessing. That's how I'm going to bless other people. I'm going to bless them by pointing them and showing them in every way I can, whether it's, whether it's by my actions or whether it's by the words I speak or the things I do. I'm always going to point them to the blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In whatever capacity of physical, material things you can say you've been blessed with, we can use those things to point towards God's ultimate blessing. here's the thing, I'm not trying to dismiss it. Part of Abram's blessing was material. It was, like I said, a physical land, a family, a name that would be known, but they were all now viewed by Abram in light of God's ultimate blessing. So I would say this to us this morning. It's not wrong to value your family and care and love them well. Not at all. It's not wrong to do your best at your job. It's not wrong to have material things to even call those blessings from God. They are, but let's keep them in perspective Let's remember what we're supposed to be using them for. We're stewards of them for a short time on this earth if we truly believe that our home is in heaven. So how important are they to us? How do we use them to bless other people? Are there things in your life that you have and you're just like, that's for me. If someone has to borrow that, if somebody else needs that, if I get, no, 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 that's mine. I would say that's becoming an idol for you. What in your life are you, are you not willing to use to bless other people? Maybe you just don't know how to bless other people. Some of us, you know, I've got five kids at home, or I'm a stay-at-home mom, or we, we're just too busy. You know what? You can still use your family to bless other people. Maybe open up your home, be a mentor, be an encouragement for other moms and dads starting off. Maybe you say, I don't have a lot of money, but God, what God has given me, I'm going to share that with others. I'm, I'm going to figure out how do I take someone out for coffee? Coffee's four or five bucks, okay? It's not that expensive. You can go and be a blessing to somebody else by encouraging them, by coming alongside them, by sharing Jesus with them. That, maybe that's how you bless other people. You know what? You can say, when I'm single, I can use my time and my talents to bless others, to point other people towards Jesus Christ. Maybe part of your blessing is that you are successful in business, then how do I use my business and my finances and my resources to expand God's kingdom? Because the blessing to us is a promised kingdom. Look at verse 3. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. That's a promise to us. That's where in Romans 8, we can say, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? Here's the thing, though. To experience this blessing, to experience this promise, to be called a child of God, to be in his kingdom... To experience those things, A- Abram Abraham had to be obedient to God. If Abram had not stepped out in faith and left and went to that land that God has shown him, he wouldn't have been able to experience the great nation that God was going to make through him, the land that God had for him, the promise and blessing that God was extending to him. And it's here where we end this morning that knowing that even from Genesis, God's plan is to invite us into his kingdom, that he's for us, He's wanting to bless us, to to, to bless you this morning, to give you a name, to give you an identity, to give you a purpose, to give you something that the world can never give you. God's promise is is always true. God extends his promise to us, but we can choose to live outside of that promise. We can miss the promise and the blessing of God, and I think we can miss the, the promise, his invitation into the kingdom in a number of ways, in three ways, and the first one is this. We don't realize it. When we don't realize the promise of God, I thought about it this way. I heard a story of this man who was kind of really on travel. He'd never, he'd never left the country. he never been in a plane, never been in a ship or anything like that. But, um, so one of his friends blessed him with this cruise t- uh, ticket for, for this cruise ship. So he we went out and he was an outdoors guy. He loved it. He went in this cruise ship and he'd go around the deck and he'd, he'd see all the, the sights and everything. And when he was coming back to his cabin every night, he'd look through this glass window into this big banquet hall where all of these people were eating. And he was like, man, that would be so great if I could afford that. Those people look like they're having such a great time, man. those people look like, like they're, they're blessed, like they're, they're enjoying it together, but, but I, I can't have that, so he, went, he would go back to his cabin. And so the final night of the cruise, the little money that he had brought on board, he was like, okay, t- time to let's see, what, let's see what this banquet was all about. So he goes and he takes the little money he has, and he sits down at the table, and the waiter comes over to him, and he's like, what, can, what does this get me? He puts his little money out on the table, and the waiter's like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, what can I get for this? And the waiter's like, this is all included in your ticket. This was always here for you. Like, you should have been eating here every night. This, this was all part of it. He just didn't realize. He, he didn't know that's, that's what, that was the purpose. That was part of, the, part of the trip. You know, for us this morning, if we can live outside of God's promise, miss all of those blessings, miss His identity for you when you don't realize the promise of God. But the good news for us this morning is that We've heard this promise. We've heard how we can receive this promise, how we can enter into it, and it's through in Jesus Christ. Great news is that it's free. The kingdom of God has been freely extended to us. God has come to bless all of us, and he did so by sending his son Jesus to pave the way into this kingdom, to open up the doors of this kingdom to us, a broken and lost world. Second way is this, We, we don't believe it. We don't believe the promise. Some of you here this morning are just going to flat out say, you know what, I don't believe that. I don't really think God is for me. Like maybe there is a God or maybe there's not a God. I don't know. Like maybe I'm just here by chance. I think there was just kind of the right mix of chemicals and and there was an explosion and I'm just here for a little time so I might as well live life large and party hard. If God is not your king, you're not going to experience the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to experience the blessing of God. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, without faith it's it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So I would ask you this this morning, have you ever truly been seeking for God? Or is that decision that you've made just a more convenient way for you to live, a a way that you're going to say, well, I get to fulfill my desires and all the things that I want? What the Bible says? The Bible says that when we seek the Lord, when we search for him, when we seek him with all our hearts, that God declares that he will be found. He says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Maybe for some of us here, we're believing in Jesus and we do believe God is true, but we aren't holding on to his promise. God promises us that he's in control, that he works out everything for our good, that he is for us, that His heart is to bless us. God tells us not to worry about anything, to cast all our cares upon Him because He cares for us. It says not to worry about tomorrow, give everything to God in prayer. All the promises of God, the Bible says, are yes and amen. How? In Christ Jesus. And when we actually believe that, we have a life, a full life, a life full of blessing, an abundant life, no matter what the circumstances of our life is. So maybe the question you need to ask yourself this morning is, what promise of God am I not believing? Think about the thing in your life that you're struggling with, the thing that you're worrying about, the thing that's creating division or hurt or worry or struggle, whatever it is in your life. And then what are you not believing about God? What promise of God are you not standing on? And lastly, as the worship team comes up this morning, the third one is this. The third way in which we can miss this promise is when we aren't obedient to it, when we aren't obedient to the promise. Obedience to God results in us experiencing the promise of God in all of its truth and full effect. But when we walk in disobedience, we walk outside of God's will. Abram at times was unfaithful to God in this story. There were times when he lost sight of the promise of God and began to try and do things in his own strength. But God continued to reaffirm to Abram, this is the promise I have for you. When, when Abram was entering this land that God had shown him, Genesis 12:7, it says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. He reaffirmed his promise to him. And then even when Abram was unfaithful and he brought some of his family, he brought Lot along with him. There was this tension, this, this controversy, and the, the, the land was, didn't seem like it was big enough for both of them to live, so they, they go their separate ways. And Abram gives Lot the chance to pick the land, and Lot picks the land that looks great, that looks fulfilling. And, and Abram's wondering, like, have I missed out Have I missed out on God's promise? I I don't think this was the way it was going to go. And it came from his disobedience. But in Genesis 13, again, the Lord appears and he says, All the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Again, Genesis 15. It says, on the day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your offspring, I will give this land. God just kept reaffirming his promise to Abram, even when he was unfaithful, even when he lost sight of it, even when he embraced sin and embraced doing things his own way, God came back and he called him back to the same thing again and again. Abram, I'm for you. I want to bless you. I want you to have a life that's abundant. I want you to live a life that's full in me. So how do we live this life? How are we part of this kingdom? How do we experience this kingdom that's promised to us? when we know the promises of God, when we believe them, and when we're obedient to them. And all of this requires faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ. Because the story of Abram was pointing towards the greater story. That while God would create a nation through Abram, God would create and redeem a nation through Jesus Christ, a, a kingdom that we can be a part of. And God calls us, God calls you this morning to leave your old life behind to leave all of the background noise that the world and the people around you will tell you this is what fulfills you, this is what you got to aim your life for, this is what you got to do. God calls you to lay all of that down. He calls us to say, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to humble myself to God. I'm going to confess that, God, this is I know this is what you have for me. God, I've been unfaithful to you. I've went my own way. I've tried to do it in my own strength, but God, this morning, I'm coming back to you. The invitation for us is to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and live an obedient life to Him and a life that is full. And you know what? When we do that, the amazing thing is our our story becomes part of the kingdom story. There's all these uh, stories in the Bible of people, just ordinary people that God used that, that God called them out of something. They were obedient to God and God did an amazing, mighty, redemptive work in their life and used them to bless other people. And it's when we place our lives under and into the story of the kingdom of God that our own little life stories become amazing. When your story may be, you know what, I was abused, I was broken, but I'm saved, I'm restored because Jesus is my king. Maybe your story is I was a liar, I was a cheat, I was a manipulator, I was out just living for myself, I was selfish, but God saved me, God changed me, God redeemed me because Jesus is my king. Maybe it's I was gripped in fear and worry and doubt and carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders, but now I'm resting in the promise of God. I'm resting in the story of God's kingdom, Jesus is my king. Maybe it's everybody told me or everybody's telling me that, I was, that I'm a nobody, that I'll never amount to anything, that my life's too far off track. But God spoke to me this morning and said, I, I'm a child of God, Jesus is my king. Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe your story was, or maybe your story is right now. I was searching for meaning and purpose in my life, and God's given me a purpose. To come into his kingdom, to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and my purpose here on this earth is to glorify him, to spread his glory, to point others to that blessing. We are unfaithful. But God is faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why we can read this story in Genesis and know that it's for us this morning. The same promise God gave to Abraham is the same promise he extends to us. And we get to experience that promise in all of its glory. We get to experience God as our Father. We get to experience the most abundant life when we confess the Lord is our God. Why don't you stand with me and we're gonna pray and then we're gonna sing that this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you are a faithful God. God, even when we are unfaithful, when we run to all other things, when we, when we have heard your promise maybe time and time again, maybe we come here every week and we hear that you are for us, that, that you wanna bless us, but God, we just haven't been believing that. We've taken it upon ourselves to go our own way, to live our own life, to, to pursue our own desires, and God, it doesn't work. God, here we are broken again. Here we are before you as unfaithful people, but before you as a faithful God. God, I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you're God, who is the, the king of this kingdom, who's sovereign over all, that even from Genesis this morning, you already had a salvation plan in place for us here this morning. God, I thank you that you tell us that this is love, not that we loved you, but that you loved us and sent your son to be the propitiation, to be the substitution for our sins this morning so that, God, we can cry, out, we can confess you, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior, and we can be part of that kingdom. God, that we can confess to you that we've been unfaithful, but, God, you are faithful. And when we declare that, when, God, that we declare that you are our God, I thank you that you are for us that all the promises of your word, all the blessing that you have for us, that they're yes and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done for us. God, I thank you that you're even speaking to people here this morning. God, maybe there's someone here this morning that they wanna make that commitment to you for the very first time, that they wanna repent, turn away from the life that they've been living and come and put their trust in you. God, I pray that that would happen this morning. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen.